it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is a crowd podcast. It's probably one regret that I do have that I never did. Now I'm becoming a coach. What does that actually mean? What you don't really get a chance to do in your boxing career is to see a lot of different coaches. What's the process for that, to get that pro license from the board? I've lived most of my career with anxiety. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Good morning, Deck. Good morning, George. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm really well. Tell Very me about well. your week. What have you been up to? Can I tell them about the uh, me having to move out of my flat? Yeah, tell me about you having oh, to mate. move out of your flat. Got a flat. phone call from the landlord and I said, yeah, you're going to have to be out by a certain date in May. It's just not what you need, is it? I barely unpacked. <laughs> What, the what way have the world. you unpacked? You've unpacked your... I've uh, unpacked so far a butter knife. I've been there two years. Yes. The butter knife, the TV, the sofa. I mean, you don't unpack that, do you? Everything else still in boxes <laughs> after two years. It's just not what you need, is it? No. And so you've just been making toast. Just making toast and watch, sofa, watching TV. Watching Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. How about you? I realised... You kicked out any tenants recently? No, yeah. Do you want to... <laughs> <laughs> I've realised I'm becoming my father, which is... <laughs> yeah, it happens to the best of right, us. T- Tell me if this uh, resonates with any of the listeners. Yeah. Timber, wood. You can't throw it away. No. So I've built I'm building this like man cave in the garden. It's been it's been a project for a while. And it's it's a punchy man cave and it's got a, a nice gym in there and some other little bits and pieces. Do so you need a tenant? Soon we will <laughs> if you can clean the gym, it'd yeah. be like Morgan Freeman. I just eat you toast. can live there for yeah, free. Yeah. Perfect. But we had some leftover timber deck and it's out Uh-oh. the back and it should have gone in the skip, but it looks too good to I don't know what to do with it. So mm. I need some ideas from the from the listeners. I'm thinking about building compost box. Nice. Even better, why don't you build an ice bath out of it? Because they're very trendy now, aren't they? Yeah, but I mean, come on, an ice bath? How am I going to build an ice bath? <laughs> I've got that, to get something watertight. It would yeah? look about the same as a compost to heap, wouldn't it? I like that. I like that idea. I mean, yeah. it's on the list <laughs> Is it? of, you know, just to yeah, show yeah. people, look what I've got. Yeah. But I'm building, it's going to be in my brain, a facility, like a whole training camp facility. And then people will come and do camps. And they need someone to put like their banana skins and tea bags in that. Yeah, we're going to be fully catering. We've got, I've got a little food area, outdoor food area, barbecue's Barbecue. come. Whistler kindly uh, sorted me right out with a little kitchen Shout out Whistler. Shout out to Whistler. 
There was uh, Compost Somer- UK. No, Somerset Barbecues. They, I've got an Argentinian barbecue. Do you know what that is, Dick? Ole. You, you hang your meat and it looks looks the bollocks, mate. And then when it gets a bit <laughs> hot, deep. you you uh, crank it up a bit. GGBBQ. <laughs> It's all inclusive, that's why. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've bought like a flamethrower so I can light it from the from front bed. room. Then as it sort of... Flamethrower? It's, 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 like it's a slow burn. It's, a, you know, it's Literally. slow cooking and then it, you know, the embers, the wood falls down and you, I've got this wicked rake thing you rake it about so you can have hot spots to you know, like see in a meat. The point is you are morphing into your dad. I think we all do. Yeah. 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 Bet your dad loved barbecues. Mine did. I have to make an effort to learn something new really. It's true. But building, also, well, you've got build a Compost I've got to build a compost. And you've got to work first. out to use this barbecue. Well, I, I can guarantee there'll be a listener who is a dab hand at woodwork, without a shadow of a doubt. What I cannot guarantee is that Ali Brightwell is that person. But what I can tell you is Ali Brightwell's been in touch. Loving the GGBC chaps. Best podcast out there. Hugely insightful. Can you please do an episode on, I quote, the jab? Firstly, that's one for you, but I know you are going to attempt to monetize this at some point, so you don't want to chuck it away on the pod, do you? Ideally, I can monetize this podcast. Via the pod, yeah, well. yeah. Yeah, you know, so no, we got a, but this will be a little taster. Oh, that's a fucking great yeah. idea. Ali, give us some suggestions who we can bounce some jabs, who I can mm. bounce some jabs off. Well, Larry Holmes is, he's about, but he's a bit far away. Um, Sonny Liston's dead. The NHS? They- <laughs> That's quite like, a retro shout right, Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, you're about we'll, to. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Lyndon, Lyndon Arthur, they oh. like Lyndon Arthur's jab, don't they? So we can Yeah, well, we can Collie Hurston Moston. Yeah, that, that whole club is a big jab club. Oh, that's a great idea. Let's get Lyndon on and do a jab episode. Yes. Amazing. There's a boxing club in London called Jab. Called Jab. We'll get them in. They get must them know about in. the jab. In fact, actually, big shout out to them because they're fans of this. They listen, I see it on Instagram. Good idea. Ali's second point, two. Put out more content especially things like fight breakdowns, dot, dot, dot. Maybe break down how classic bouts were won slash lost, strengths of special fighters retired and current big fight breakdowns now. Off the back of two weeks where we've done Leewood and Richie O'Lara, we had a reflection on that. Mm. We also reflected on Tommy Fury and Jake Paul with our friend Coogan. We have been knocking about the idea of regular reaction episodes, haven't we? Maybe we need a title or a name or a... Yeah, we had shreds. GGBC shreds. People love shreds. We need like a name for our reaction pods because it, it's slightly different to what we do in our ordinary shows. But we need a title. So if you've got any ideas, hit us on socials because we want to hear from it. And if imagine you could be immortalized in this club's history by naming the review show. Anyway, Ali had one more point. Do more stuff on Strava. The problem with that is you have to do more physical exercise, don't you? Yeah, I signed up for Strava and, and posted nothing. Yeah, you need to get on there because people are still doing shreds and big up to those who still are and keep it coming because I'd see it all still because I'm on there all the time. Big up, big deck. Yeah, big deck. Who's uh, running the marathon. Half. He's running half of the Half marathon. a marathon. If I do two a year, that's a full one. But we should do more stuff on Strava. Let's actually think about that one. Thanks, Ali. That's three good points. Guess what, Deck? What, George? The voice notes have been coming in thick and fast. Have they? Yes. Oh, fuck. And not from, you know, anyone. Yeah. Uh, elite club members, <gasps> current fighters. Oh, my God. It's Chris Billum Smith. That's a hell of a name as well. Hi, George. Hi, Deck. Hope you're all well. Uh, really enjoyed the first Q&A. Um, I definitely think... Duncan Ross needs to come on because he's got some epic George Grove short stories and he can share a little bit about what he does as well but I think it should just be a, a George Grove's story pod maybe get uh, George's George's wife on it as well because she's also got other other views of situations but uh, 
I actually have a question for George, which I've been meaning to ask him for years, and I feel like he's in. You know, now might be the right time. Um, and he actually spoke about it last week on on the uh, episode one of the Q and A about uh, Callum Smith's you know, catch left hook, and uh, I'm just wondering why George didn't roll it because. I was doing it all camp, George. I was doing it all camp and you were rolling it at the end of camp. Right, a lot to unpack there. Duncan Ross, tick, get him on. Yeah, Duncan Ross got to come so on. So is he saying your wife should come on alongside Duncan and do a joint one or are we saying that's another episode? We should string these out, really. No, yeah. I mean, Would she CBS come on? is all for the uh, for the other half. So, yeah. Um, Would she come on? She's usually shied away from the old media spotlight, mm. but uh, I'm sure she'll come on and dish the dirt on me one day. Okay. Why didn't you roll the well, hook, George? Well, so roll the hook. Yeah. I mean, that's kicking the bollocks for Chris right there. You know, yeah, don't need that, do you? Obviously, he wasn't doing that check left hook quick enough no. for me. Yeah, he's got to take a bit of blame there, hasn't he? Yeah, he really does. He really does. Mm. I mean, don't get me... Trying to find a six foot four super middleweight who can check left hook. The best we could get with CBS, who's yeah. six foot four, check left hook, but he's um he's cruiserweight. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's coming out of cruiserweight speed, which is not quick enough. CBS actually got in touch with me, and he wrote on our Instagram, he questioned the wonderful work of Archie our social media was who dressed us up as Harry Potter and Ron Weasley. I was Harry and you were Ron. CBS took exception to that. He said, why? Yeah, I suppose he's thinking it, the book ain't called Ron Weasley. Or, yeah, and this is not called Declan Taylor Boxing Club, although yeah. it's got legs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we talk about who our actual episode today, yes, George? Yeah, let's talk about the actual episode. So we're not going to do that thing where we pretend they're looking at us through the glass. No, because they're not, yeah. Because they're not, because we filmed this back when we went on our little field trip to Manchester. Yeah. Um, he wasn't even on the list for us that day, but he was like... I want to be an elite club member. Mm. Former world champion. Scott Quigg. All about how Scott, he's obviously retired now. We've done a lot of things about retirement and about boxers who have finished and what they do now and whatnot. But he is like, it was a slightly different path. He's becoming a trainer. But he wants to be, become the best trainer in the world. So if you want to find out, then tune in. Let's get it on. Right. Right. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, we've got another esteemed guest yeah. who's now an official club member. It is another other, king of the north. King of the north. Yeah. None other than the super bantamate world champion, Scott Quigg. Scott, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Thanks for joining the club. How are you? Oh, good. Thanks for having me on. Your life now is still very much involved in boxing, but on the other side of the ropes, but not like George and all of that lot who do the media stuff. Yep. You're still in the in the kitchen. Listen, I dropped out of school when I was 14 and all I've done is box, so it's all I know. So obviously when I re retired, I needed to stay in boxing because it's all I know. So being on the other side of the ropes now, still in boxing, still enjoying it and it's still something that I feel like I've got a lot to offer. So now you're coaching and you're working with Joe Gallagher. Yep. Yeah. Do you work with Joe, with the fighters that are Joe Gallagher's fighters or do you have your own fighters at the moment? Well? No, at the minute it's just all the fighters are obviously with Joe's, uh, Joe's fighters and obviously I'm there helping him, supporting him because obviously I'm, I'm still learning as well and, I, and for me there's nobody better to learn from that someone who's been there accomplished what he's as as a trainer and obviously to have that bit of a guidance from him to make sure if there's anything that i'm i'm doing a bit wrong or draw a bit of advice he's there to ask him i've got someone to ask it's something that i'm enjoying but i feel like now that i do have the confidence to have my own fighters you know take take a fighter to the ring and i feel i have full confidence that i've got the ability to go on there and have my own fighters 
So you got to the absolutely the, the highest stage of boxing, world champion. Is that now the new drive, the new the new dream, the new ambition is now to become top coach out yeah. there? Yeah, and like I said, obviously I've reached the, I wouldn't say the pinnacle of the sport, I fell short a couple of times, but I job become a world champion and same as now, I want to be the best coach in the world. That's what I envision. One day I want to be ring trainer of the year and that's, that's what will drive me. But at, at the same time, I know to to do that, you've got to give your life to it. Again, when, when I was in my career, I'll argue with anyone, nobody trained harder than me. Nobody was more dedicated, No more. nobody sacrificed more than me. I literally couldn't give any more to boxing and I achieved everything I could achieve. And at the same time, that also destroyed a lot of things. It was only when I finally retired, that, and this is how I say it, I look in the rear mirror and I look back and see all the, the things that were destroyed on the way. Not on purpose, but just through the choices I've made for my career. Going into coaching now, there's more pressure now because the fighters that you're coaching, they're depending on you as well. So you've got to give 110% for them. You, know, that you can't give 80% as a coach because you know, your your fighter's going to suffer. And for instance, me as a fighter, when I was coming, if I needed to be in the gym, now I, and or if someone turned up late, I were ready for smashing the reds in. Joe, you know, you've got this to, is you now as a coach, or this you, no, this was me as a fighter. And are you, do you, know, you say you're still like that now as a coach, or have you had to change I, your mindset a touch? No, no, it, it, it's hard, really. I, I try and change and manage it better. Do you say like you're all in? You, you got your blinkers are on. You can't you can't see in the rearview mirror. But now as a coach, I don't know. You you've got to be able to see more. But then how do you do that without changing who what made you a successful fighter? But and this is the and this is the thing that I've you know, obviously spoke to very highly, highly successful business people, highly successful sports people. They're all the same. We're all the same. They achieve what they achieve because of they don't have a family life. They get to the success and then at the end they have nobody to enjoy it with. Literally separated yourself from from normal life, from everyday life, and you've achieved this but unknowingly destroyed everyday family life or everything like that. So it's trying to find that balance to succeed, but not also destroy the other parts of life. But at the same time, there's a fine line between achieving what you've set out to achieve and failing. What do you rank above one or the other? Success or less success, but with more of a family life? Like after your boxing career and you sacrificed an awful lot, was that the right way to go about it? And uh, and I'm not saying no, it's no, not, because no, no, it's no, just no, fascinating no, for you. Yeah, no, no. Let's say I will speak up and I'm honest me. It was the right thing for me because I look in the mirror today, I'm at peace. I have no regrets because I achieved everything I set out to achieve. Do you know, oh, even though I fell short in a couple of the fights, I couldn't have given any more, so I have no regrets. If I would have changed and spent more time you know, with relationship, family, and you know, doing the other thing, I would have had resentment. I would have held a grudge and I wouldn't have been at peace. But since retiring, I've tried going on the other side where I've been more relaxed, even though I've been coaching more relaxed, and it still doesn't work. Sometimes I'll be doing um, a talk about resilience and essentially not quitting, and then the story finishes with, I retired at 30, so it's like, <laughs> I need a new ending, like, like fucking hell. And because you do, you like, you switch, you, you can relax, can't you? You're not yeah. boxing, you, it's not you. But then at the same time, now you're guiding other people's careers. Yep. So there's more pressure. Got, there's more pressure on that because I'm training you. Yeah. 
you're putting your career in my hands. If, if I'm training myself and I'm training my own career and I don't put it in, I'm only letting myself down. If you're putting your trust in me to coach you and guide you to be becoming the champion and I'm only half-heartedly putting it in, I'm letting you down. For me, that's a no-no. Are you still training in the gym? Still training every morning. Don't do boxing, yeah. but every morning, half six, I'm up. I, I'm at the gym for nine o'clock, then my day runs smooth. If I don't train in the morning, I'm on edge until I've trained. What do you reckon that is? Me training is like me having medication. It's like my antidepressant in the morning. Take, get up, take my tablet, bam. I go to the gym. That's like me taking the tablet and then throughout the day, I'm at peace. Have you always been like that or is that since you've retired? Anytime I've ever had any stress or any things that have come up that I've had to deal with, I've reverted to training to level me back out and then I'll go and solve the problem. Will you see yourself gravitating towards fighters who have a similar mindset for you to train or can you cope with training someone who maybe just don't understand that concept at all and wants to be totally different? If someone has the same mindset as me, I'll be able to understand them a lot more and, and, and I'll be able to help them because it, it's not a nice way to be. For instance, the way I was, I probably lived most of my career with anxiety. When I weren't training or eating, I used to be sleeping. I used to sleep three, four hours during the day. There's so many things that people don't, they only see what they see on telly, you know, they only see the fight, they don't see the, the emotions, the ups and downs and you know, the, the mental battles you go through, the anxiety through all the stress. And your anxiety levels now, you're working with other fighters where essentially it's out of your hands whether they win or lose. You can prepare them as best you possibly can, but they are the ones that are going to have to climb through the ropes and do the business. Yep. How are you coping with that? I see them full of anxiety. I see them full of nerves. So I try and reduce that from them because I know how it feels. And I know what would have helped me through my career. If, for instance, um, my first professional trainer, Brian Hughes, he just used to know just anything he said, I believed. Is that because of the way he carried himself? The way is he just a confident manner? Or was that because you just needed someone to tell you those things at that, just, that particular just, just time? Basically, you'll be all right. It just made me think, and I'll be all right. Obviously, the respect I had from it. And don't get me wrong, obviously, with John and the same things, there were certain things he would say. All you need is somebody that now believes in me. The theme of this episode is the journey to become the best coach in the world. Yep. So your last fight was in 2020, I believe, yep. against John O'Carroll. Yep. So practically, what happens between now and then? What we're talking, coaching certificates. You've obviously had the experience, but it's now it's about, right, now I'm becoming a coach. Yep. What does that actually mean? The thing is, with boxing, there's no gradual wean off sort of thing. You know, it's like, oh, right, what do I do now? Yeah. So then... COVID, the lockdown pretty much hit straight away. But then certain things, were, if you obviously were still in the gyms, you could still open if it was a profession. So I know a German lad out in America who I used to train with. Someone who he knew contacted him and he wanted to come and train with me. So in the first lockdown, it was, he come over to, to mine for four weeks and I was training him. So it was he was living with me, training, obviously we were going in jaws. And th so that was basically my first really fighter that I was coaching myself. From when he first arrived to when he ended up going, he improved massively. So that was that. And then he went back and then I had um, a Slovenian girl come over. Um, he used to be based out in Canada. She was over for six, seven months. I, I enjoyed that and she improved massively as well. But in that time, I weren't training myself for anything. I was 13 and a half stone. And for me, I was like a right little tank. So I enjoyed the training, but because of 
I'd just gone straight into it. I'd not really processed, obviously, me being beaten. My boxing career is over. So I'd never really gone through the process. So in the end, I ended up um, going out to Dubai for four months. I went out the 13 stone 10, come back at 9 stone 10. So I got myself back in a, a good place. And then I went, so that's when I went back into Joe's and then started just helping Joe with his fighters and then gradually, you know, built back up to a point where, where I am now. Was it rewarding though when you saw the improvements that those two boxers in particular made? Yeah, it was very rewarding and I, it also gave me the confidence that I know I can be a very, very good coach. And I always had belief in myself anyway because of the way I was as a fighter. So I've been very lucky to have the coaches. that I, I couldn't have had a better start in boxing than from Brian Hughes. Everything was about technique, skill. He educated me on why he was doing things and, and the methods he used. And I still use them today. So that's, if, I, if I didn't have the foundation built from Brian Hughes the way I did, I would never have gone on to reach the heights that I did. Again, being coached by Joe, he's one of the best in the business when it comes up to coming up with a game plan. And then obviously being out there and training with Freddie, he didn't really show me anything new. The tools that I had, he just showed me different ways to use them and different ways to set them up and stuff like that, which, which was good to have them three coaches that I've been coached by. If you ask me to name three coaches to be trained by, I'd name them three. Freddie Roach, would say, from the, from Wildcard, because you famously yeah. used to go to LA a lot. Since 2009, I was out there. I've been out there every year. And then obviously 2017, I, when I went out there, I was there for three years. I needed that at the time. When I went out there, I needed that at the time because if I didn't go out there then, I was probably I would have probably retired at that point. So it just gave me a bit of a new lease of life. And like I said, I learned a lot of different coaching, little little bits that I'll use today with my own fighters, but little subtle things. What would be nice to hear, or if you can even try to surmise it, is like, what is it that he does specifically that makes him like have all this success? Why does he get all these world champions? Is it knowledge? Is it methods? Is it the way he talks to people? What is it? Can you put your finger on and therefore what can you take into your own coaching? Knowledge in simplicity. There's nothing fancy and when and how to do things. Do you know, for instance, where to do it in the ring, where to, how to set it up, where to play, put yourself in the ring, how to set traps, little subtle things, like I say, nothing fancy, basic stuff, but works. And that's, for me, what stood out really. Like I say, when I went to him, he didn't teach me anything new. Like I said, I've been, I've been out there, like I said, every year since 2009. So I used to do six weeks camp every every summer just for different sparring and stuff like that when I was out there. So I always used to do a bit of work with him. But when I went out there and, I, and like I said, I was training with him, there was nothing fancy, simple, but effective. And that's where you get results. Was there a lot of other coaches in, in the Freddie Roach gym? Marvin Samodia. Again, he, he's a he's a good coach. Uh, I did I did work with him, um, and then like I said, these four or five coaches in the gym that that, that that have their own fighters, use their own methods and 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 stuff like that. But the the main ones, obviously, that I worked with was Freddie and Marvin, and um, but these are they they, they were like Freddie's little team, them assistants. Well, you don't really get a chance to do in your boxing career is to see a lot of different coaches. You might work with a few throughout your career, yeah. but you. you 
fighters you could be sparring different guys training alongside different guys but coaches not really and I think I think the more time you can spend with different coaches the more you can nick off them or yep. change your mind or develop and, your and, own style and you learn little, little subtle stuff like for me say if I, I have my own fighters I'd send them off to, to say the wild card for four weeks but then I'd want them to do work with another trainer because it's a different voice so you might say something to your fighter and it might not really sink in, sink in. A different voice can say the same thing. It registers straight away. It's happened to me, you know, whether Joe might have said something and I've not, it's not really sunk in, but then someone else has said it and it's sunk in straight away. But there's a lot of coaches that don't want you to go on they think because they think, you. oh, they might like them better. Or, so at that point, you don't have much belief in yourself. So if someone wants to go somewhere else, there you go. Uh, in my thing, I'd be thinking, well, sooner or later, they're going to come back. And, and that was the thing that Brian Hughes did. He was the first one that sent me out to America when I was with him. The first time I went to the wild card was he sent me out to train with a, a fellow called Jesse Reed, probably one of the best coaches I've been coached by. I went out twice, trained with him twice for four weeks each time. He's probably one of the best coaches I've been coached by and learned so much from. All them experiences that I've had with each one. I've got books and books at home, but I've written down notes, this, this, this. I'm creating my own little thing to pass on you know, and use to try and create a, a winning formula. Now, Deck, as a former fighter, you can imagine I still like to keep an eye on the fight game. I can imagine, mate. So do I, George. There's fights all across the world these days. Sometimes you just can't find anywhere to watch them. If only there was a solution that meant we had access to the biggest and best fights whenever we wanted to watch them. Well, Deck... There just might be. Ooh. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a country showing, like you said, the biggest and best sporting events around the world. Not only that, but you can stream your favourite TV shows at the drop of a hat too. Surely to watch the best live sporting events and my favourite TV shows, that's going to cost me a fortune. Well, NordVPN actually helps save some money. Does it? Not to mention your protection against cybercrime. You change your virtual location, sign up for a subscription service via other countries and pay a cheaper rate just for the price of one small coffee a month. But what about if I want to throw in the towel at any time? It's not a problem, Nick, right? Because NordVPN provides you with a risk-free... Risk-free? Risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. That's my kind of guarantee. Yes, check out the link, nordvpn.com forward slash ggbc and get your subscription started today. Use that link and you'll receive huge discounts off NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Okay, that sounds like an unmissable deal, George, but I know you, I've, you know, stitched me up in the past. Am I <laughs> safe here? Because that could be the real knockout blow. <laughs> NordVPN is a one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity deck. It is incredibly easy to use, right? Otherwise, obviously, I couldn't use it. And with just one click, you're protected. You don't have to be a tech whiz. And with your NordVPN account, you can have up to six devices protected. I haven't got six devices, but if I did, I'd be buzzing about I mean, that's a Ronald Winky right yes. guard there. Yeah, that really Nothing's is. Nothing's getting through. So let me get this right. With NordVPN, I can watch live sporting events, the best in film and TV from countries around the world, all for the price of a measly little coffee a month, as well as being protected from hackers, malicious sites and pop-ups, which I hate. That is right. Nothing below the belt. Just make sure you use the link, nordvpn.com forward slash GGBC for that huge NordVPN plan discount plus a bonus gift.
talk about Saved by the Bell. You'll never have to miss anything ever again with NordVPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. George, you, you work with, as a professional, Adam Booth, Paddy Fitzpatrick, Shane McGuigan. Three coaches, that's fair, isn't it? That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the the final version of you as a fighter was a, a summation of those three? Like, yeah. was it a bit of all of them in, included? Definitely. So our first time pro with Adam Booth, who's, when you go from amateur to pro, there are a lot of changes you make. So I feel like changed the most working with him, maybe even learned, learned the most, but then working with um, Paddy after that who I'd sort of done a bit of work with whilst with Adam totally different different style of fight and he'd spent a lot of time in the wildcard gym and he'd been in the States and travelled and then after him yeah Shane McGuigan who's you know he was doing well he had, he had Cole Frampton who was um, around the time he boxed, boxed Scott so um, yeah no definitely because you know every trainer's got their own style or what they really like sometimes can maybe be partly down to how they fought if they did box yep. or who they've trained before Adam Booth who had David Hay who's a one punch knockout artist like you, lots of the fighters who he had success with usually fit that sort of mold and then I went with Paddy who had t- used to tell me about how he used to lay on the on the ring high as a kite watching um, James Tony just slaughter people week in week out in the wildcard gym and I was like yeah that sounds fucking cool man I want to box that James <laughs> yeah, Tony yeah, so yeah. all of a sudden I'm trying to sit in the pocket and slip and slide and throw body shots and that like and then um, yeah then it ended up with Shane like and I'm like oh, you know, I want to get back to punching hard so you know his was sort of almost a go between between the two um, where he was training Frampton at the time who small throws a lot of punches sort of in and out like all, yeah, you, yeah. You, all you guys are and and now now me if I go down my amateur club on a Sunday morning I'm trying to figure out like what do, what do I want out of boxing plus they're amateurs so it's like yeah. I can't teach them like pros yeah. I want them to hit hard because that's what I like <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> uh, I want them to sit on their shots and, and punch through the target a bit but also they can't just do that because they've only got three rounds to set up a shot you know um, you get respect I think for coaches as well yeah. so I'll look at my amateur coach Mick who's in his 70s like I think wow like totally different to any of the pro coaches I work with but none of the pro coaches could have produced as many amateur champions as he did so his style of coaching fits that setup so you've got to take a bit from all of it haven't you I'm going to say he's obviously the, the if what I knew now from obviously Brian Joe Freddie and I could go back to being 24 and mould all that you'd be the greatest fight of all time wouldn't you yeah, yeah. No, 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 so <laughs> yeah. it's like if you took bits from Adam Paddy Shane Molded everything that worked that was good from each one and molded it into 
you go back to being 24, 25. And the rest, like, what else? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I wish, I'd, I wish there was, I could have slotted in two years with, like, Lomachenko's dad or, <laughs> you know, uh, or two years with, with yeah. Garcia or someone like that. Mm. Or I'd love to have gone to the wildcard gym. Like, that just wasn't, I was even too scared. Do you mm. know what I mean? I wouldn't know where, how to, where to have started. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But I thought that would have been amazing. Every summer, just to disappear for six weeks and go and train in an American gym. Yeah. Was there anything then, Scott, in though in your experience with all those coaches where you thought, fucking, I ain't going to do that when I got my own fighters? People go, oh, he shouldn't have gone out to the wild card. It ruined him. He did. Because it's not, you go out there, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's just a meet. All the best fighters that are around, or all the fighters around, meet there and you're sparring and it's, listen, kill or be killed in the gym. Is that in the downstairs? In room, the, no, it? downstairs, upstairs, wherever. Don't get wrong, when I used to go over for my six weeks camps, you know, when I was- it, didn't you? Yeah. So, like, well, <laughs> so he never, he always there, went back every right? year. <laughs> so, like, that was, that's what I was there for. I was, you basically having three fights a week. I remember being there, I think it was the first time I went there, Rigondo was sparring and I was in afterwards, I think he was into the second round, he hit this kid with a left hand, one of the best left hands I've ever seen. Kid dropped like a sack of shit. Bam. They just rolled him out. Freddy's looked at me, looked me up and down. Right? He went, you, in. Right? So I ended up doing three <laughs> rounds where he gone. I mean, at the time, I'm thinking, fucking hell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> got in there, just literally stuck to his chest. I thought, I don't want to get one of them left hands. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every morning on them sparring days, yeah, I'd be shitting it. I'm thinking, who am I going to be spying? I, honestly, my nerves, it'd be like the nerves that I had for a fight. I'd be walking to the wild card and I'd be thinking, oh, am I going to be, oh, I hope I don't get done in. Right, Joe. Yeah. All, and, and that's what builds that mental strength. That, you, you, that's where you will never put me in an uncomfortable situation because I'm comfortable being, I've been in that many uncomfortable situations. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. And that was because I used to love going because I knew how much benefit it was doing for me. I didn't enjoy it. I hated it. <laughs> hated every minute I hated of it. it. So I'd finish the sparring that day, then I'd have until probably four o'clock the next day, and then I'd be thinking, sparring again in the morning. Yeah. So, <laughs> it weren't in, so someone, someone asked me the other day, did you enjoy your career? Like, I went, no. What do you mean, no? I was emotionless. I, I weren't happy and I weren't miserable. One, because of the way I trained, I missed family weddings, birthdays. I even missed family funerals. Joe, because I was training for a fight and I, I should be sparring that day and, and when I look back now I think what an asshole like I mean at the time I'm thinking it's not going to help me you know me going there because I need to be in the gym that's when I look back and I think yeah I probably was a bit too ruthless but I don't look back with any regret and that's where I, I come back I come to now was there's a lad now at the gym and, and he overthinks he's and, and I just see myself He's just like how I was and he's good to be able to help his anxiety of the stress that he puts on himself as a listen. And be, because I'll say something and he'll be like, how do you know that's what I'm thinking? Because I've been there. Enjoy your career. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't en enjoy my career. My best night was probably the Martinez fight. Up until two hours after that fight, I was on a high. After that, I was thinking, right, when's the next one? It's going to be the Frampton fight. So straight away, my head's on it. Then I'm thinking, well, I can't go away. I'm going to be in the gym. And so straight away, I didn't. You couldn't enjoy it. I couldn't enjoy it. No, enjoy I, 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 yeah. no, I would Yeah, that, that's the word. I never let myself enjoy any. It weren't that I couldn't or the, I just, I never let myself enjoy it because I thought, no, nah, you shouldn't. You still got a long way to go. And that's what I definitely try as a coach. Make sure 
the fight is enjoyed the time actually relaxed at time the downtime being able to switch off because i know if i had someone like me now like reassures him that no no listen be like you got enough time if i had that i think that would have helped me take the edge and the pressure the, the pressure that i put on myself off I don't think I ever really had anxiety while I was boxing. You got that pressure where you're like, you want to be, give the best account of yourself. And there's pressure where you're like, well, it's, it's not a long career. And if something goes wrong, you know, you got, and stuff did go wrong in my career, I'd lose and I'd be like, fucking how long is it going to be to get back and stuff like that. So you can't miss, you can't mess about. But never like, from what you're saying that I was never quite like that switched on and with that that level of anxiety it wouldn't be right for a fighter to have that would you if no, you was coaching a fighter you're like well I remember being on England squad like everything mattered I had to win every yeah. every you get up at 6 o'clock you run around the track I want to finish first you know, I'm going to say sparring, yeah everything first. that you do I want, yeah. want to be first and then I'd see other fighters who had almost no discipline name them James DeGale, James DeGale, Billy Joe Saunders, Frankie Gavin. These guys were on squad and they just kept winning. But they wasn't putting in nowhere near oh, no, as much gonna, effort as I was. I going to say, you've probably seen, and, and I've seen it, people I've been in the gym with, and I'm thinking, how can you walk to the ring at peace? Yet I'm walking, still second-guessing myself after putting all the work in. And I'm thinking, how do you walk to the ring at peace? And then not only that, they're going... And knock someone out. I'm thinking, what am I doing wrong here? Yeah, and and it, when I, while I was an amateur, I did think maybe I'm maybe I'm like pushing this too hard. Like I'm think thinking about it too much. You know, yeah. when you're doing a training camp for twelve round, uh, you got twelve week training camp for a twelve rounder. You kind of do have to be absolutely yeah. on it, don't yeah. you? Like because you, you again, you don't want to. If you've ticked every box and you're in the change room and you're warming up and you feel a million dollars, yep. then you're like, whoa, you know, it's, it's the best feeling in the world. We're going to say, you know, when, you, when, when you've done everything right, you've ticked every box and you're written them pads just before you go and you're written that, you know, listen, if I land with one of these, he's going to sleep. You like the confidence that you have walking to the ring when, you, when it's like that. Now, if I wouldn't have put the work in, I wouldn't have been able to walk to the ring at peace. But then I'm like... Is that just me? Do you know what I mean? Or is that but, just that but, just you, Scott? Because are there other fighters that would be like the opposite? They're like, oh, I feel a bit tired. I've trained too hard. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but, but, know? But, but before that last one, the training camp, like I trained, nobody trained harder than me. And I remember, I, I don't think I won one spa. Don't think, I, and I just thought, ah, it's not happening. This, and I thought, nah, on the night I'll get it together. And I remember in the change rooms beforehand, like I say, when you're warming up beforehand and you know everything's gone right and you, you're in, you're thinking, if I land one of these, he's going, I just weren't connecting. I was skimming the pads and I'm thinking, oh, okay. This is not the time. Give, is it? Like, <laughs> give, like, give it four rounds, I'll, I'll warm into it. And I remember being stood behind the curtain ready to make my entrance and I'm thinking, I haven't got a clue what's going to happen when I get in there knowing how the camp had been like I say I couldn't give any more effort in camp because I, nobody like I say I put the effort in and they're working but I thought I haven't got a clue what I'm going to be boxing like in a minute because going off how I'd been in the gym could be a long night I remember after after four rounds I thought nah this is going to be a long night <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was Joe saying during the, in the in the change room so he's got more experience than you yeah, at yeah. this stage I'm sure he's had fighters before he, who he can feel are not firing yeah but. He, he knew but like I said, we're thinking, oh, we'll put it together on the night. And if it don't happen in the gym, it ain't happening on the night. I needed that last one to be able to retire at peace to know that it's not there anymore. Yeah, because you was pretty brutal on yourself. Like literally in the ring game, you got it no more. And I remember thinking that says a lot about you as a person, like where you're obviously a perfectionist. You know yeah. what I mean, there's something in you where you're like, nah, that's it. 
So don't say it now, mate. <laughs> no, 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 because give like, it 20 minutes. Give it go on. <laughs> no, no, say it in the I'm morning. Like, if you want to use like, nah, I was like, no, I'm, I'm a realist, me. John, it was like a, yeah, when I was brutal on to, yourself. Like that's, I mean, even being, even in your head, you're thinking, you don't know something about you. It was like you decided, I'm gonna just say it. I'm gonna say it now. I, I don't know. Probably Sky asked you. They always do that. Well, it went that. Like, it probably got to about round eight, round nine, and I thought that that's it. Even that one bingo shot that I was open to land. Listen, I was miles away. I'm missing that widely. I nearly took an old lady out from Raw. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was. Had you had any discussions with Joe about coaching before that last fight? I had no plans on retiring because I thought, now nah, I'm going to win. Right, yeah. So he wasn't doing any bit of coaching. He hadn't, he hadn't thought no, about it. I, I used to. I used to do... about life after boxing at that point. No, because, like I said, I, was, I thought, now nah, I've still got a lot left in me. So now as a coach, then, are you just pro boxers who you got to be uh, coaching no, amateurs? I, I coach a, a young amateur girl. She just won the. One of the championships that she's just that was just been on. She's, she's just won gold there. Have you had to do your level one? No, no, no. So I only, I only, I just. So I used to train her as a Thai boxer years and years ago. So this is she was only seven. Now I don't like I say I just give it. She she trains at an amateur gym, but I just do some work with her just to help her out and that. And she's one for the future. And then as a pro coach, you have to get licensed by the board. Like what's the process there? What? Yeah, I've got all my licenses. You do yeah, that, I've, yeah. I've got all my licenses. Got a train trainer's license. Got a trainer's Did license. you have to go on a course for that one? Yeah, used to do it, yeah. How was that for that. you? Yeah. <laughs> Pick us two planks, yeah. aren't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, no, no. They teach you anything you didn't know yet, Scott? No, not really. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, what's the process for that, to get that pro license from the board? Just a course or do you have to go and do like an interview? You have to do an interview. But they know you well, don't they? The former yeah, well, you have to do an interview you and obviously the Ashley certain interview with but a lot of questions what you're gonna do what would you do in this situation if you this situation and stuff like that and yeah what was a question go on give us give yeah. us a question and a Scott quick answer so, so how would you how would you set up a camp like what would you do like a training camp like and so the, I've got all these books how long you got no so so for instance if you name a day any day in the last 15 years I can tell you exactly what I had to eat and what I did on that day. Whether I was in training camp or whether I was out or whether I was on holiday, wherever I go, I take a take me a diary with me, and that's how I created the best way I needed to eat to feel the best and what not to not to do. Um, so I've got the perfect for for me the perfect camp that I would be able to do where I felt my best. So because I've got that much information of my life. Yeah, but you're going to expect that level of detail from your fighters. No, see, th this, is, <laughs> no, it, this is the one thing, like, for instance, I can't expect anybody to be like me. Are you like that in the morning? So what, Jeff? Right? Yeah, come on. No, 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 <laughs> oh, no, fuck no. off, Scott. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> but that's what, every, like I say, every, I know what I've had to eat in the last 15 years, every every day you're still keeping the journal so yeah, yeah still keep it because it's not like at the end of every good for anxiety it, 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 <laughs> not, I, find, I find it therapeutic do you ever cheat and not put the stuff in that you're not that you oh, weren't no, supposed no, to no, eat no, I don't that's not you is it I still, yeah. eat, I still eat clean I still man eat talking well, for right? experience <laughs> yeah he's like, no, eat, I never had that cream egg quick you don't have to yeah pretend it never happened <laughs> if I only if I only eat half a chocolate bar I don't have to put it down yeah Scott do you think there's a perfect number of fighters to have as a coach I would say me personally Without any assistant or without any help, four. Four would be max for me. Each and every one has to have that individual time spent with them. At the same time, though, they've got to be enough to have a bit of a, 
an atmosphere in the gym where they can all bounce each other, bounce off each other, but they've also got to have that one-on-one -on -one individual time because that's where improvements are made. You've got to have that one-on-one um, -on -one time to make sure you get the, the coaching and that, like I say, one-on-one -on -one time to work on the thing specifically for that fighter. What do you reckon, George? I was just thinking when you were with Adam, was it you, David, Andy Lee? It was quite a small gym, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was always a small gym. It was just me me and David for a, for a long time. Uh, they was in Cyprus and it was Michael Maguire was on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Michael Maguire. Maguire, yeah. Michael, yeah. Maguire, really yeah, he was amateur. I was going to say, as an amateur, he was... He was lightning. He, yeah. had, he won everything. He, his pro career never really why took did, off. Why was that? Discipline? Didn't Scott Quigg discipline. No, yeah, no, seriously. No, yeah, because yeah. like I said, natural ability and talent, I couldn't lace his boots. Yeah, I think he, um, his amateur coach used to really take care of him, like make sure, like literally pick him up, take him here, make sure, be on his case. And then when you turn pro, you sort of, you left to your own device a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So yeah, he didn't, he didn't really come through. And then yeah, in the gym, but yeah, it was quite a solemn place, um, the Haymaker gym, because I know, I was usually, I'd come in first and do my bit and then Hay would come in. I usually never hung around to watch it and I'd yeah. leave. Uh, Andy Lee came in and there was a few others, but yeah, it was never really a, a thriving Did gym. Adam have uh, an assistant? He has one now, doesn't he? He was usually someone else floating in the gym but he never had an, never really had an assistant like he did now like Adam yeah. would come and wrap my hands yep. and then do pads with me like Shane McGuigan's gym you'll have Josh Pritchard there yep. who will wrap most of the fighters hands and then maybe call them down or even warm them up yep. so he's got an assistant it makes sense he, but it's, it's, uh, but that, that's the the thing with, with that is you've got to have someone that you can trust don't, and, and who follows your methods and principles of your teaching style having another set of eyes is key if you can have the right person are you enjoying coaching now though scott yeah, yeah i enjoy it and you enjoy it and you're you're letting yourself become a little bit more emotionally invested in the enjoyment process than you did with the fighting yeah i'm not sure if i believe him no 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 i am i know i am um, i want to i do want to see you lose your shit when one of your fighters comes in and he's he found a couple of mars bar wrappers under his bed or oh, something listen, yeah a big uh, cruiserweight or something <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I've just you had the cruiserweights or are they nah, too um, tall no no i'd like to say i would do work with obviously callum johnson who's a yeah. big yeah lad. yeah fucking um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or Zay Burton yes um, I can handle the big fellas yeah. as well <laughs> so Scott we ask all our guests to give us a song for a playlist right now this could be you're synonymous with rock and roll star of course yeah 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 it doesn't have to be that George yeah. has got Spitfire on there yeah. it could be any other song that gets your juices flowing or it could, or maybe it is rock and roll star what, what's your track for there's our playlist what, there's one song my favourite song I always said before I retired I'm going to come out to it it's probably one regret that I do have that I never did. And it's my, it's my favourite song. And it's Tina Turner, Simply the Best. <laughs> Honestly, uh. it's, it's my my favourite song. I, I don't know whether it's because, obviously, Eubank used you to bank. come out to it. But no, that's one thing that I always said. I used to say to my mum, before I retire, I'm going to come out to that. But I never did. Well, now you've put it in the, on the playlist, so... Yeah, it won't be quite but as good. It's scratched, but, no. But yeah, who's scratching it? Well, that <laughs> might already yeah. be on there, actually. Yeah, so... Oh, do you know who chose it? It is already on there, though. Yeah, someone else chose it already. We, stuck we it could double it up. You. Well, I'll tell you what... We'll uh, rebrand it as... No, no, no. Yeah. No, I'll tell you, the, one of the other ones... Go on. ...was um, that I used to come out to... I come out to it for quite a while was Eminem Not Afraid I come out to that for oh, quite you? a while that's yeah. a good one for the playlist that's yes. perfect Eminem perfect. Not Afraid yeah good and now have you got a book recommendation for us oh coaching yeah like so, no this this episode has been about coaching or something that you might apply a book that has something that you might apply to your life as a coach now 
and it it can't be your diary from 2008. <laughs> I want to read that diary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, remember, I dropped it. I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only book which uh, the one that I've read, which I've, I've read recently, is called Give and Take. And there's so many little things in there that actually educate you on people. Yeah, and actually certain things that actually that I would do make me actually think twice about it and help me implement certain things and not do not make certain choices. And it's a book called Give and Take. That is spot on. That's spot on. Absolutely yeah. spot on. Give and take. That's the life of a coach, isn't it? But when you read it, it educates you on certain things, and you you actually figure out which one you are as well. You, if you can apply certain things from that book into real life, it's a massive, massive help. That is perfect, Scott. Thanks so much for coming in today, mate. Yeah. Really insightful, a little bit deeper times, but a fascinating <laughs> chat. Yeah, that I was, loved it. That like, was it education. Was so I'm genuinely excited to see what you do as a coach as well, because I've covered you as a boxer and I know what you achieved and, and the, the diligence that you trained with. It. It's going to be fascinating to see how you apply that in on the other side. Not being, again, not being arrogant or not being like, I will become one of the, the best coaches. You know, just because I know I will, uh, I'll apply myself, and I, I know what I'll do to just keep getting better as well as as a coach. But at the same time, I'm a word though. The way I'll go for it might destroy other things along the way, but you <laughs> simply, know, simply I'll, the best. Yeah, we we'll do this again in ten years. Yeah, <laughs> I'll pick them pieces up when I retire. There you go, <laughs> Nice one, Scott. How about that Ooh. then, Deck? I told you that was going to be a good one. It was amazing to sit and talk to so honestly and openly with Scott Quigg, who um, had a fantastic career involved in massive fights, high-profile fights. He had that rivalry with Frampton that was pay-per-view, and there was a lot of pressure on both fighters, spotlight on, rivalry engaged. So now, just hearing about his... Uh, desire to become the best trainer in the world and you know put him under pressure don't we We Mm. ask him some questions about what went right what went wrong how you're going to use the same approaches now in your new venture look into his eyes he's he's still uh yeah he's still there isn't it write him off at your peril um maybe we can get him on again in 10 years and we can reflect on all the world titles he's steered people to he's in the club i got a question for you though cool you know all our listeners are in the club yes how on god's green earth can you become an elite club member well those who are only members through listening and are not elite club members they need to make sure they hit the follow button hit it in the podcast app and once they've hit that podcast app do you know what that does for us i have no idea i wish you could tell me it means we get better guests (gasps) and and greater views oh yeah better barbecues better guests bigger names better barbecues better barbecues yeah and you can hit us up on socials GG Boxing Club Instagram Twitter TikTok GG Boxing Club at crowdnetwork.co.uk is the email address for longer stuff yes please if you're listening on Spotify please also check out the playlist The Ring Walk and um, speaking of listening you can listen ad free on Amazon Music these days George let's send in some new feature ideas oh okay yes yeah anything goes we are back deck on Friday with oh, another yeah. Q&A episode and the following week we're going to do a Q&A where I just ask you a bunch of stuff yeah anything goes and we're back next Wednesday George again this has the potential to be an absolute stonker from out of nowhere mm. who we got we are in with Brad Pauls Brad former sparring partner of mine reached out to the club after his first loss he wants to know a few tips and tricks about dealing with defeat mm. so I'm going to try and help him and yeah it should make for a fascinating listen hopefully can't wait for that mm.